0: Hello and welcome to Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million part series. My name is Logan Wolf and I am a church planter living in Provo, Utah. My wife and I moved here in 2011 and started a church in the conference center of a hotel. For several years, we were a mobile church and then we navigated a church merger became multi-site overnight with campuses and staff in two different counties. And then after several years of that, we offloaded that entire structure and became uh, what we are now, a network of house churches functioning across the state of Utah. And my purpose in this podcast, my hope with this podcast, is as I talk back through that experience, knowing what I know now, maybe some distance between some of those phases and uh, decisions, uh, I can help you think through some of the questions that we didn't have the the mind to think through in the moment, maybe spare you some of the frustration and the heartache uh, that we went through, as well as just your time and your energy and your money as you're preparing to labor or are laboring in the community that God has called you to. One of the great things about this most recent season here on the podcast is I have brought in some friends from different parts of the country and they have been able to share some of their church planting experience and stories and mistakes with us. And that is the case today. I am joined by my friend, Heath Ferguson. Heath, how are you, sir? I'm good. We're making it happen. Uh, it is uh,
1: now post-summer here in Houston, Texas. So uh, we've made it uh, We've made it through the summers 108 uh, a few times this summer. So it's, it's been a hot summer. Glad to be here. Glad to be in the air conditioning. Glad to be talking to you. It's going to be a great day. Right on, bro. What is the temperature right now? I think it's. I think we're in the 60s. It's going to go up to 93 today, though, is what they
0: say. So, oh my gosh, a little warm. I I haven't been outside today, but when I woke up yesterday, it was. I think it was just at 40. So it's a little, little cooler, a little cooler in Utah. We. uh, we, I woke up a couple days ago when it was 47. So it's it's getting good. That's what it is right now. Here it's
1: 47. So that's I just just
0: looked. I just looked it up on my phone. So that's (laughs) all.
1: And we've had a hot summer. Um. It's which affects actually your church uh, stuff as well. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's an interesting dynamic here, but uh, it's been
0: breaking. So it's been nice. Right all man. Well, Heath, why don't just by way of introduction, uh, maybe let our listeners know a little bit of your story. Um, and that can be personal, maybe just some of your spiritual journey, but move it towards the church planting endeavor and, and how you got into that and, and how you landed where you are there in Texas. Sure.
1: Um, I, I was one of those folks grew up in church, gave my life to Christ at a, at a young age. And so let's fast forward, grew up in a Christian home and and, and all of that. So let's uh, fast forward kind of to where the Lord started doing a, a work in my life in this area. Um, in college, uh, did not go to college to be a pastor, didn't go to Christian college to be a preacher. Uh, God began to deal with my heart as a college student and, uh then about my junior year senior year of college uh, really started getting very serious about uh, preaching and knowing that uh, eventually that pastoring was going to be out in the future and being that i was from texas and went to college on the east coast uh, just saw a really great need uh, for churches west of the mississippi river and um, just through god opening some doors Allowing us to meet some people, uh, allowing us to have relationships and network with different folks uh, in in this area of the country um, and really having a burden for the big city. I grew up in Houston, Texas. It's a city of now it's over seven million people uh, in the Houston area. It's a big city, Um, really feeling the desire to go where the people are and to go to the fastest growing areas of the country, the fastest growing cities in the country and to make a difference for the lord and the whole thing for us was where could we go to have maximum impact yeah and to go and and so you know every now and then somebody will say well why a place like houston you know some of the largest churches in the country in houston which is fair you know you've got some big churches let's first say not every church is a bible believing church let's not say that let's not let's say too not every church preaches the whole entirety of the bible and so uh, let's put that out there but number 2 The largest churches in the country, if they are in fact in my city, uh, they carry less than half of 1% of the population of the city in which I live. And uh, we that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's one out of every 50 people in the United States lives in Houston, Texas. It's a huge city, it's a big, big place, fourth largest city in the country. We're closing in on Chicago for being number three. Uh, I mean, this is it's a pretty big place. But when you look at that, I I had the great privilege of pastoring in Amory, Mississippi, and I loved it. It was was a it was a rural setting, wonderful church, great people, and there were thirty eight churches in town. There were six thousand people. Two of those churches combined for one thousand of those people. Percentage wise, they're smoking. These other church, like you know, like <laughs> the largest church here carries less than half of one percent of the population. So uh, the need is great, and these are the fastest growing counties. I mean, I believe I just read it this morning. Five of the top ten fastest growing counties in the country is in the state of Texas, wow. and at one time it was the county we live in, and actually the city that uh, our church is in was the fastest growing suburb in the United States. So uh, going where the people were was a big deal. It's kind of how we got to here. Um, mm-hmm long story short, three and a half acres of land was owned by a mission board here in Texas that reached out to us specifically. So that's kind of how, how we ended up right here. But it was really through a work that God was doing in our lives and then presenting opportunities for us uh, that initially, my wife and I, were driving from North Carolina to Texas to come visit for the first time.
0: Mm.
1: And I told my wife, I said, let's, let's not do this. Like, this is hard work, you know, and there's churches without pastors. Let's just go there. You know, I'm sure some church would let me preach, you know, and if we don't burn the building down, that'd be a success. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's most things. If you don't burn it down, it's, it's
1: good. <laughs> there's some I've been uh I've been to that maybe maybe burn it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would be good too. But but God's been very good to us and really can't complain. So basically started in a home, uh, went from uh, having Bible studies in homes to growing to where we outgrew the home and then uh, onto a storefront, outgrew the storefront, uh, and just continuing on with the relational type You know, we tell people all the time, we're not here to build a church. We're here to build a family Mm. and to great connections with people and to have the maximum amount of impact in people's lives. So uh, God's been very good to us in all of
0: that process. So for timeline's sake, how long ago was that from that drive? You're driving from North Carolina to Texas. Like, when was that that you made that first visit to move in there? Like, what are those? how, How long ago was that?
1: Oh, that was a year and a half. Um, from the time that we went to visit the first time till we actually moved. Okay. Um, from the first time I had a serious conversation about missions. Um, this is pretty well known. It's not going to offend anybody's feelings that lives in Houston or anything. My first heartbeat was to go to Las Vegas, Nevada,
0: Hmm.
1: um, and to, to plant a church there and, uh, visited, been there a few times, uh, spoke with some folks about it and the timing just never worked out and when we were looking at going was in 2008 and uh, if you know anything about 2008 the housing market imploded mm-hmm. and in in they may have taken a dip where people live in vegas it completely just crashed wow. and places people walking out of homes and all this kind of stuff that's not why we didn't go um but that was during that time period and uh it just it wasn't uh, it wasn't what we felt led that this was the next step for us so um, we ended up, uh, going to a different ministry and not doing mission work, but the, from the first time that we considered seriously about doing mission work, I contacted a missionary that asked me two questions and it put everything in mission work in my heart on hold for 10 years. I mean, it really affected me in a major way. And the two questions were what in your past says that you could build a church out of nothing and how many people have you personally led to Christ in the last twelve months and baptized? That says you could build a church. And at the time, I was I was a youth pastor at a church, and it really affected me because I didn't have great answers for those yeah. things. And really, and that was from a church planner uh, that was already in Las Vegas at the time. And when when he said those words to me, my heart sank because I said there is a very practical side to all of these dreams that people have of wanting to start a church and so forth and maybe my practical ministry and service of the Lord and reaching people for Christ may not be where it should be at that particular time and uh really affected me and slowed me down um helped me kind of come to a realization that you know you don't just show up in a city and people start showing up at church you know and it's not about the church anyway it's about mm. reaching people for Christ and uh I appreciated that guy's Truth and honesty with me so much. Um, I,
0: I wish someone had asked me those questions. I mean, that's because I, cause I wish, man, I wish someone had asked me those questions. And you're asking them now of our audience. I think that's a good question to, to chew over or chew on. I, uh, in a previous conversation, I talked about coming to Utah. That was my mindset. I was like, well, God called me here. There's a need here. I'm going to show up. People are going to start getting saved, right? Like that Messiah complex. Like, I'm here, Lord. Let's bring. And I had never led anyone to faith. In fact, it wasn't you know, directly like one on one that hadn't happened until more recently within the last like five years, but uh, maybe yeah, five years, but never led someone to faith one on one. And then you yeah. think you're going to come, and all of a sudden the masses and the multitudes like, like you're better than Christ or something. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. Uh, that's that is incredible. Okay, so you didn't, you that questions you're chewing on those questions, you're not going to go to Vegas, that was prior. How old's the church plant now in Texas? We are now uh, from from our first meeting
1: till today. We are now at the ten year mark. Okay, I thought uh, so. And God's been extremely good to us in those ten years, seeing uh, individual growth in people. Um, you know, s- sadly, so many times works get measured by how many people walk through the door. Yeah, and a lot of times people that say the statement I just made was because they don't have as many people walking through the door as what they want to have. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, when you start comparing yourself to other ministries, uh, when you start looking uh, at a number perhaps that you haven't reached yet or something, and don't get me wrong, goals I think are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but what is appropriate measures for success in church plants? Are people growing? Are people bringing people? Are people coming back? Are they coming to Christ? Are we baptizing people? You know, those kind of things uh, is what we want to do. And uh, we've had people uh, move to the Texas, Houston area, uh, come to our church, get extremely involved and and then get moved out because of their job. Well, does that mean doing a poor job or does that mean that God is moving someone somewhere else? You know, we recently had a young man come and uh, move and, and was working in our church and started a ministry. And now he's in Africa uh, and now he's serving the Lord in Africa. And, and when I look at those things, I say, OK, I, I don't want our church. I don't want connect church to be a destination. I want our church to be a launching pad mm. uh, that people come, maybe you get equipped. Uh, you serve for a while, and then if they're off to another ministry and it's what the Lord has for them, where they can impact people, then that's fantastic, and yeah. and we can celebrate with you when when you're baptizing people in bathtubs and in in pools, and we can celebrate with people in other places whose numbers are you know just ah, so they're it's like wow they're doing incredibly well, well God's been incredibly good to us too, and. Uh, you know, we have seen numerical growth. I mean, I don't want you to get me wrong. We've seen really great things happen numerically,
0: but it's not the gauge, you know, of, of how well we're doing. I think mean, you're absolutely right. And, and that maybe is a, something, to a topic to even revisit or press into. Um, I just came back. From, I was just in California. I took a couple of brothers from our network. Uh, two weeks ago, we went out there for a, like a training, a retreat sort of thing. And part of that conversation, those three days we were there, was around tracking what do we track and why do we track and and looking at some biblical principles around it and i think you you man you're spot on with this heat cuz i feel like i was guilty initially you track things you track things one that you can't control uh you know there's there's it, which is ridiculous and then th- we use those things we can't control to kind of inflate our importance or our ego. Like, you know, we have, you know, it's like, what, you have no role. Like I can't control how many people show up on any given day. I can't control. Now those are things to track those metrics, the attendance, and the, but those aren't the only things. And so we actually went through like this deep dive into acts and the epistles and we're looking at, um, you know, are, are we, are we seeing like local ownership of the work? Are we seeing, are we seeing life change and growth? Are we seeing teams develop those things that you don't think to track, you know, on a, a quarterly report or something of that nature and the purpose behind it is what you just said about the celebration you see again and again like you know and acts with the what's the stories that's being shared from the work because you know these missionary Mary teams these apostolic teams are going, they're starting work, they're coming back, they're reporting to the other churches what's happening in these other regions. And it tells us in a couple, like Acts 21, where they're compelled to they glorify God because of what's happening. And it, it moves them to pray. They hear about these needs. And so now there's this intense times of prayer. And it's like, oh, if we track these stories, if we track the life change, if we make note of what God is doing and where he's putting people, and, and we don't just let people leave and like burn the bridge in the relationship, it actually... Enables all of us to grow spiritually because we see how how much God is doing and how much bigger the kingdom is than just our little piece, and so uh, that's great. I think that's a that's a great perspective to take in the church planting. So
1: you know, if if you're going into church planting for anything other than a kingdom mindset, then you're really going to be in a mess because there's those weeks where you know, we do get inflated of who we are, you know, and and people will be lucky to show up at my church. You know, we have that mentality. (laughs) And, you know, when you have that Sunday where literally it's your family, a couple of the people, we had one of these Sundays early on where um, it was my family of four and another family of three. And we, we did our music like normal. It was a (laughs) Sunday night early on and the people in the audience. So, so it's, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me, my wife, the other person's wife on the stage, we sang the songs. The the man, his son, and my oldest daughter were standing in the back changing the slides. There's no one in the seats. <laughs> we're singing. And I told him, I said, here's guys, this is what we're going to do. If no one shows up, we're going to that McDonald's and getting ice cream. Because this is just like a Sunday yeah. night and nobody yeah. was showing up. And in the the third song, in like the second verse or whatever we were I can't remember what song was a lady comes driving up and a couple of people trickling. The kids were like, No, no, I'm lying. <laughs> um, but and and so like if you're in it because you think you're you're, you know, I've got something to offer and God's, you know, gonna use me in this you know, massive way. And listen, God's going to use us. I, if we'll make ourselves available and and holy and so forth, like God will use us but you're going to have those weeks that punch you in the face yeah, and it's so hard. And then you come away thinking, I'm such a failure, but it's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. It's Mm -hmm. about grinding out these works of being faithful. And, uh, you know, my definition of faithfulness that, um, I made it up. I think it's mostly biblically based. I'd love for someone watching and can add to this and make it better or can fix it. Then I'm all ears. But over the last 20 plus years of doing ministry, my definition of faithfulness is me doing what I know I'm supposed to do today, trusting that God has a plan for the future. That's it. That's good. So, you know, what am I supposed to do today? What does my today look like? Am I supposed to read and pray and walk with God and all that stuff? uh, You know, am I supposed to preach in this place today? And there's three people here, you know, whatever. I'm doing that because I know that God has a plan for the future. Not necessarily what's happening in this moment, but I want to be faithful to God in this moment. And so yeah. that's
0: this again, if there's somebody out there that can help me, that's God. solid. I'm going to steal that and just tell people I came up with it. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. No one quotes me. That's, that's fine. Not, no, this is from, from Heath Ferguson. Uh, okay, let's go back. Go back to our, our church planting kind of that's timeline. Cool. So you roll in, you're just t- your church plant 10 years old. You roll in just your family or did you have anyone come with you? Or how- at the time it was just us. Um just I had, had a, it was just us. We had a 2-year-old
1: and a 6-year-old. Um Wow. And it was just me and my family. There were a few people here in the Houston area that were a part of a church that didn't exist anymore. And when I say a few, um I think there might have been nine total of us maybe. Okay. So it was just somebody who lived on this side of town. Uh, so when we first met in a house, it was in these these folks' house uh, that we met in. Um, so you know, to to say you're starting from nothing is not completely accurate, uh, but it's not inaccurate, um, right? So, so yeah, it's, it was a little, uh, it, it it was slim. It was slim to say the least. Now we had great people, great people, but very slim.
0: Mm-hmm. So let me let me ask this then, looking back on that. Um, would you have preferred it would you to take more people with you or did you feel like have would you were fine with that rolling in just your family like what talk through maybe just and, and you know this is a, we're move, i want to talk more about the, the weekly services and get into that like you said but i'm just curious you rolled in by yourselves what would you would you have done anything different there i would have done all of it differently um, so <laughs> when yeah. you're talking about mistakes, I'm glad you called me uh, <laughs> because this, uh, this is, uh, I, I was racking my brain. I was like, who do I know? That's just a total screw up. Oh, <laughs> I can, call- <laughs> I, know, I know who it is. I know, I know, the- <laughs> um, I know, I know this guy.
1: Uh, yeah, we would have going back if we could do it again, definitely do the team. Scenario much different than what we did, being that there was none. Um, yeah. Definitely would have looked to see if there were people that would were interested in moving and and being a part of it. I know the statistics. I know the stories where people say the most. You know, if you take people with you, they don't tend to stay and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but in those early days, it it would have been extremely helpful to have right. more hands, if nothing else. Um, encouragement factor uh, is a big thing. Yeah. Uh, Having someone to to bounce ideas off of—that's just not you,
0: right? Not being your own head thinking this is the oh, we're gonna this was the best idea ever, man. This is—I <laughs> mean, you're you're
1: having a staff meeting every morning in the shower by yourself because there's yeah. no one else, like
0: you know there's no one to talk to. No, it's just you. And I'm a yes man. I'm just telling myself, yeah, do that. That's great. <laughs> your ideas are fantastic, you know. Like, and no one to tell you
1: that idea stinks. Yeah. What are you thinking about? You know, and there were things we did early on like that. It's like, dude, that's terrible. What are you doing? You know, you're dumb. You didn't think it through all the way, but you're doing the best you can. And, and in my mind, there's a clock that's ticking as well. And it's like, you know, you've got church budgets involved of other churches and individuals who are giving. And it's like, I want to get out of that as fast as I can. Okay. So we got to get going, you know, we got to get moving. We, we got to get reports and all these, you know, you just want it to go. And, and I wish I would have stopped and taken a little more time to daydream Yeah, Uh, and not daydream, like in the sense of nothing, but like stare out a window and think things through all the way. And then to go in there with the mindset of how can I serve the Lord? Not how can I get out of this budget? How can I give a good report? No, it's no just, and on-
0: that's, I wish I did. I wish that too. I wish I had come and just basically, and I, I didn't do this. I just shared with you a few seconds ago. I came in thinking like, Lord, I'm here. Like you're, you can save Provo now. Uh, but I, I wish I had asked the question, where is God already at work? Sure. Because the truth is, I mean, he was at work long before I was ever born here in Utah and he'll sure. be at work long after I'm dead. And so instead of like trying to spin your tires and create activity, out of nothing, it's like Lord, just show me where you're already working, and I'll just go be part of. Like, I'll just go help that. I'll go be part of that. And I think we would have seen so much more happen, and it probably would have built out more of that kingdom mindset you're talking about because they would have been looking at people suspiciously or as a competition. Like, hey, God's working here. I want to be part of it. You know. And it's anyway. That's okay. But you said something I want to um, press back into. So you're you're there, talking to yourself in the shower. And you're running like I've got these church. I want to. I want to get to where I'm out of the the need to be under these other churches that are giving the budget, all this kind of stuff. How soon did you guys start weekly, or what do you call it? Your grand opening service, your launch of your weekly public services from the time you moved there? How much time did you allow yourselves? So we moved in
1: uh, the end of January of 2013. uh, Started meeting in homes. On Sunday evenings. We had Sunday evening Bible studies. Uh in I'ma say in February. Um, so it was relatively early. Wait, uh, you moved
0: in, you said January of 2013, yes. and you started whole weekly, like every week you guys were gathering? For Sunday nights, starting okay. like at the end of February.
1: Uh so it wasn't I mean not With, this much mentality, right? It wasn't as much a thing 10 years ago. Um, but we started having just just Bible studies, getting together. Were with, you
0: inviting people into that? Like those were uh, public, like not, not necessarily there weren't stuff where you advertised.
1: Okay. So it wasn't like you're passing out flyers saying, come to this Bible study. Okay. It was in the home of the people who already lived here. And so it's it's relatively small. Uh and then, you know, as hey, they, this person went to buy their friend, their friend, their friend. And, you know, after a little while, you go from, you know, eight or nine. I think the first meeting we had was 13, but there were some people in from out of town that weren't going to be a part of the church. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it 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 grew to 20 before we did anything else, you know, beyond that. But June 16th, 2013 is when we had our first, like, in the storefront, because that's, yeah. that's the, the, the mode that we went, uh, in the storefront service on a sunday morning um we had 10 chairs set up uh we had all the other chairs were just piled because we were going to put them together and build the stage right after that service if you will okay yeah so people sat in those chairs and you know we did our thing and then we built them all together so that's what uh, five months before we started doing sunday mornings we didn't do so what my family would do is we would go to different churches in the area on sunday mornings and then have our Sunday night Bible study. Yeah. Uh you know like in-home Bible study.
0: Okay. Do you feel like looking back on that was that a good timeline for y'all? Was that did that feel too quick? Did it feel too like I I I actually was we moved in May. We we start we launched, you know, weekly services in September. I don't know. I had an episode where I had a a brother on here. Two brothers, different brothers. One of them was quicker than that. One of them was Um, And it was like, just like a couple months, they moved and started services. So what are your, what are your thoughts looking back on that timeline? Was that at at the time I didn't think anything about it. Um, At the time I was like,
1: well, yeah, of course, like we're here. Why are we not
0: doing it? it? Let's do
1: it. Um, Looking back on it, I I should have done a little more research um, for my specific area. Uh, What do you mean? Should have found I should have looked into the church culture of of the Houston Texas area a little bit more. um when I left, you know, I grew up here in the Houston area. Now I didn't grow up in the area in which our church is now. I grew up about an hour from here. but the church culture when I left seventeen years prior to me coming back was much different than what it is now. Hmm. and I should have done a little more research in that specific area um churches today in our area don't start the way that we started uh and this may be nationwide at this point but they didn't start the way we started so um churches now most of the time in our area we had multiple churches come on our street and start after us that are now much much larger than us and i mean like over a thousand people you know these kind of like deals they start with five full paid staff members to start with and 200 plus members the day they start. And they're from other churches in the area that have people that live up here. So they come up here and plant. Right. So at the time, I'm going with just the knowledge that I have that let's let's just take the few people we have and let's just get the ball rolling instead of potentially trying to, to build maybe a, a little bit more of a settled, larger core, maybe even bring some people with you from other places. So like I said, at the time, I didn't think much about it. Looking back on it, these are kind of some of the things I wish that we had done. Yeah, I wish that we had maybe waited a little bit longer before we tried to jump into the Sunday morning pool when we weren't quite ready. Uh, but I will say, you know, at the time we felt very good about it, very strong about it. The people that were meeting with us were, they were like, let's do it. They were excited about having a church and, and being in a church on a Sunday morning. And um, we had a lot of pressure because Easter Sunday fell in March that year. And people, <laughs> do Easter together. And I'm like, no, no go I want to somewhere do. else where you can celebrate Easter and then let's have lunch together, which is what we ended up doing. Um, And so, you know, very thankful for that, but uh, yeah, there's there definitely some things moving forward. I wish I would have researched a little better how church was being done in my immediate community. Yeah. Uh, better
0: than what I did. You know? Do you think, excuse me, that, uh, that, so that research entailed what just having some conversations with, Pastors and church planners in the area. I mean, just getting some face time with them and asking them all these questions. Is that what you mean by research? Yeah, I, I should have. I should have sat down with some folks that were um, new
1: churches, um, yeah. young churches. Uh, it, it, in my context, it wouldn't have done me any good to go. And, and we visited Houston's First Baptist Church. I love Greg Mott, the pastor. Um, I love what they're doing. Matter of fact, some of the things we do today are because of some of the influence of Houston's First Baptist Church. Uh, just incredible ministry. Uh, but it would have done me no good to sit down with them and their staff and say, hey, let's talk about church. I mean, we're you have 12 people, you know, like they have, you know, 40,000. There's no need to do that. But to talk with some churches that were relatively young, that had had seen some growth and and some impact in their community, that would have been a lot more beneficial. Um then kind of coming in almost with the competition mentality
0: that's what I and, did
1: yeah. and that was you know uh, sadly that's that's where a lot of us come into
0: I, I I wish I had done that too. I came in I tried I made a visit to Provo I tried to connect with a couple of pastors in the Utah county um didn't get to meet anyone in person during that visit when we moved here I think I connected with one pretty quickly in person um but I, yeah, I wish I had done that too. And essentially, that's that's the whole point of what we're doing with this podcast, right? You're just trying to get these voices of guys that are already there doing stuff that it done, done, gone ahead of you. And it's like, I I, I need to maybe, th- if not take what you're doing verbatim, at least let your experience formulate some questions in my heart and mind of what I should be doing. Now, I, I think about myself and I look back. I was 25 when I moved to Utah. Yeah. Bro, I don't know if I would have listened to anybody. Like if I had, you know, and it's like, that's part of it it's like because i so i i I just mentioned we had several brothers on this podcast that were talking about the time between moving and launching just like you just like me move had this mentality of why not we're here let's start they start very quickly don't didn't think anything of it because that's what they're there and you know they, they they look back and say man i wish i had taken more time i wish i had thought through more more things but i mean would they have I don't know. It's like one of those things like, who's going to tell you, you're so, you're excited. You're there. You're, you're, it's why you moved. It's like, who, would you have done anything different in the moment? I don't know. It's, it's always that struggle, right? Of like, if I'd known better, would I, I don't know. I'm just, well,
1: an aged pastor, uh, before we came here, uh, that, that, uh, I was having a conversation with made the statement. He said, church planning is a young man's game and you need to do it sooner than later. And so it, it had convinced me to, it did, I mean, it, that the Lord was moving my heart anyway. This was a conversation I was having with this pastor. And he said, you know, you may need to do it sooner than later because it's a young man's game. And at the time I'm about 33, 34, uh, we moved here when I was 35. So, uh, or 34, I can't, I'm old now. I moved here when I was 34. Um, so we move and, you know, you, you are young and, and, for my benefit, I had pastored before for a few years, um, in a different context in a, in a different state, different city, different rural urban context, like just totally different. But, um, you know, you're young enough that you have the energy mm-hmm. and you're young enough that your brain doesn't work that well, uh, for me. And so it was
0: that's for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so if I could go back now,
1: I'd feel a little better about my, my chances, but, um, but like I said, God was still very good to us even yeah. through those mistakes and uh, if this is a million part series of
0: mistakes, it's really a million part series on the grace of God. Amen, bro that's that's right. It didn't yes yeah, doesn't sideline you, you God just keeps showing up and walking no. you through those That's things. right that's right know. that's good. Hey let's move towards okay, so you're there you you've gathered uh in this these these people's houses on Sunday evenings. you start five months later, you've got the storefront um were you holding a public service okay going into that first public service let's how let's just talk through how mm-hmm. did you promote that how were you engaging the community were you engaged in the community what did that maybe week or two before look like week or two after and let's kind of maybe press in there just for the remainder of our conversation just around sure. that that initial public service
1: yeah um i was extremely nervous um for those first several services, uh, weren't sure how they were going to go. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't make the huge launch service push like what you see today. And about 10 years ago, it wasn't quite what it is today. Now they kind of, you do like the preview service and then you wait and then service and then you wait and then you have the big launch and you, you know, you do that. Uh, that would have been more beneficial to us for sure. Um, we didn't we didn't really do that and I kind of looking back I wish we kind of had so for us even back then but even to this day our greatest opportunities of getting people to show up was through personal invitation so you get little cards made that people can just kind of carry give to their friends make their invites um when I was in Mississippi pastoring we had the idea that um you know you feel like you may only have one or two shots with someone like will you come to church with me And you want that one shot to be used on a good week, on a good Sunday, you know, like this this is in your mind. (laughs) And So we would hold off. So like the first several public services that we had was us working out, like, this is what the music is going to look like. This is what the service flow is going to be like. This is, you know, so we we never had that one, like launch service that we pointed to, right? Um, But we did do the same thing. Like we did go out individual invites and so forth and explaining to people, we're a new church. Why don't you come and be with us in a, in a storefront setting? And, uh, which is a little bit of a different setting. A lot of the churches in our area start in schools, uh, which is not uncommon. Uh, so the storefront church is not as much. Uh, utilized because people really view you as being temporary. Um, had a lot of people come by and say, let us know when you're a real church. Then and I we'll would
0: tell, I would tell them, no, I'm not reaching back no. out to you. <laughs> You don't come now. We don't we want you. later. I don't want you here. Do not show up. <laughs> so it was
1: really for us. It was more word of mouth uh, okay. as opposed to that one. You know, let's just flood the community. It wasn't until we got a little further down the road that we would start doing social media ads or um, uh, mass you know, mailers or, or door hangers. And so those, those kind of things. It wasn't until a little bit later because we didn't have that one launch service. So again, going back and talking about mistakes, we should have had a date in the future after our first service, after that June 16th service, Yeah, give us a few weeks to work out some kinks and to work out a few things of what they may be. And then let's pick a date that this is our launch date that we focus on. And we never did that, Um, which again,
0: mistake. Um, I, well, I wonder, because that's essentially what preview services are supposed to do, right? Is you're building some momentum, building community awareness, trying to even recruit maybe some people to, to help you launch um, yeah. that builds towards this specific date. So you didn't have these, but you are gathering people. You are working out the kinks. It's, it sounds like the launch date would have been this Brought some swell of momentum there, but really you're just building more slowly because you don't have the, you've, you've started services right. So it's not really a okay. I'm I'm tracking with you. I wish that that makes a lot of sense. Of course we did we did preview services in Utah. And no one showed up, so uh, there was <laughs> <laughs> that's the foreshadowing. Yeah. So, so, you know,
1: and and one of our great you know reaching someone for Christ stories is that uh, that the, I say great. They're all great. But, but, I was like brought <laughs> One of the early ones. Let me just say one of the early ones Um, is really, really falls into this this vein because um, we had a real estate agent who helped us find a house here in the area. And and, uh, this again, this is a contact. Every person you talk to, every person you run into is a contact, someone who if they don't go to church you know, and they don't, they don't know Christ already. This is, this is why we're here. Right. And so spoke to this, uh, spoke to this lady and we started having church and it's like, we want to invite her to church, but we're really afraid. Like she doesn't have a church background. Like this. Mm. So she's about to walk into our storefront. She's like, we're not ready for this yet. Like we're not quite ready. So finally my wife and I were talking about it. I said, you know, now's the time that we reach back out to her and invite her to church. So we do. And she comes for, uh, several months and brings her kids with her and realizes she needs Christ, gives her life to Christ. And doing that um, on a Sunday, my wife, Jamie, got to pray with her. And the next week we brought her two Bibles and one to bring to church and one study Bible to have at home. And she starts just weeping. And she's like, you know, this is the first Bible I've ever owned in her life. And she's, she's my age. And I'm like, you grew up in America. She grew up in upstate New York. You've never had a bible in your life? Like what do you like that's just unbelievable to me. But we if there was a launch mentality, it was let's wait till we feel comfortable with where our church services are and yeah. then let's start inviting a little bit stronger. And that's how we ended up doing it, which again, looking back on it, I would have done it a little differently, but again, God was in, in Well, our- I would say
0: that story there is awesome. This, but praise God for this lady and yeah, man, that is that is incredible. I, but I, I do got, I've got
1: her I, and her kids and everything has like, been really yeah. cool.
0: That's, man. Oh, her kids come to faith, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been through through these things. And and we didn't invite her for that first June 16th, 2013 service, you know, because yeah. we just weren't ready or I didn't feel ready. Yeah. Uh, if you wait till you feel ready, though, you'll. But, well,
0: that's what I'll say. I think maybe if, if we kind of press it, if the if the the mistake we've been talking about here late, more recent, in this conversation is. We didn't have the specific launch date, the specific launch time. So you're kind of meandering towards it. But I feel like one of the side effects of that would be this. We're never going to, we're not ready. We're not ready. We're not ready. And you don't have anything forcing you to be ready because it's not a, a big. So yeah, I I can see that too. Because you just like, oh, we, this could be better. We could change this. And you could always change into it. I mean, we live in a fallen, broken world. So things are never going to be perfect, right? I mean, you could always improve stuff. So it's like, you can't wait till you're, Till so you're 100% perfect, ready. So no, that's a man, that's a good story. Okay, uh, let's move this towards some um, maybe some practical application. So we you've shared a number of things, questions people have asked you, things you've you've asked that I think are helpful. That again, people coming behind us um, could be chewing on, thinking through that. I think would be worth worth their time. But as maybe some practical tips or suggestions um around particularly this season of the church planning journey leading up to your public services leading up to a, a grand opening or whatever any any thoughts things you'd want to tell these guys coming down the road yeah for sure um
1: you know the first thing that always comes to my mind is to embrace who it is that you are and and I say that because for the longest time in my life and and I wanted to be someone else um you want to pattern your church after someone else's church or you want to Uh, Pattern your preaching after someone else is preaching or pattern your teaching after someone else and embrace who it is that you are, because I believe that God created you to use you in that way, that God didn't create me to be Logan Wolf. There are, there's already one of those. And so he he didn't create me to be someone else. So just embrace who you are and the, the, the mentality of wanting to be like maybe people we look up to or trying to emulate perhaps our heroes, if, if we want to use that word, um, becomes really a a a a handcuff a burden to who you are and and a uh, slowing down of your own personal growth and development as a church and so i say that because that first service on june 16th if you were to go to that service and you were to come to our church now it's two different churches and (laughs) it's just more being comfortable with who i am as a person and as a pastor and as a preacher and as a church and not trying to emulate any other church or any other ministry, or don't try to be someone else and just be who we are. Um, and it looks totally different. It's just not the same. And so there's a freeing idea, there's a freeing concept. So all these guys that are coming out, like find out who you are first. I know that sounds like go backpacking through Europe or no, no, just you know, be who you are. If if <laughs> You know other people's standards and mentalities and all those kind of things. Like if they're not yours, don't try to force them to be yours. Um, Make sure that you you're rooted in biblical principle, Um, but don't do it just because someone else that you know does it. And I have to do it that way. Um, It's that's it's a lot more difficult to build someone else's church. Just build the church that God created you to build, Um, and and make sure it fits with biblical principle. I mean, I always try to go back, take everything back biblically, but Uh, That, that was really a big thing for me and very freeing for me. Um, It just, you know, the, the,
0: I've, I've seen that too. I mean, to come out here and again, I was, almost 10 years younger than it sounds like when you started. So you were a dinosaur, but yeah. I was. <laughs> so I ha- I think I was much more impressionable. And I had these other people, I think, trying, you know, you raise money, you've got your sending agency, these other pastors that you were, you know, you've spoken their churches to come and they're all kind of telling you what you should and shouldn't do. They've never been here, right? They're not, here. <laughs> but right. but they all got it. And, and then you like, so you think you've gotta, I've got a, I've got, okay, I'll do it that way. Or, okay, I want to make sure that this guy's happy with this. And I want to, I want to make sure. And it it is, and it wasn't again till much more recent that I feel like this is actually who, who God has created to be able to use it. I I feel like I'm walking now in that 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 identity, and it's it is so much more freeing because you're just like ah, what I don't need to I'm not impressing them. I'm just doing what God called me to do, and it goes back to your definition of faithfulness. What do I need? What is He calling me to do here today? Like right, I mean that's that's huge, bro. Yeah. Well, and Uh, and and when I when I'm cool with who I am. I can embrace you for who
1: you are and celebrate what you have going on. And so the idea of comparison or measuring up, it goes away. Uh, I can just, hey, you know, this is, I I like this music. So this is the music that I can, that is honoring and glorifying to God. So we're going to do this music. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't, I don't don't feel like I have to wear a tie, you know, all the time. And so I'm just not going to wear a tie, even though I spent a lot of part of my life wearing a tie and I have no problem, no issue with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't cuss anybody that has to do any of those things or <laughs> whatever. It's just not as much who I am, and that's okay. You know that that's fine as long as we're biblically sound and, and rooted in biblical principles. Uh, then I've got no no issues. And so again, celebrating other people and embracing who we are uh, practically that's that's my that would be my number okay. one. Practice. Embrace who it is that you are, uh, and then put in the work. You know, yes. Right? It's, it doesn't matter who you are. It's like, no matter what, what you wear or what songs you're singing, or put in the work. You still got to do stuff. <laughs> you you got still got to gotta work. work. You got to do the work. And um, if you find yourself dreaming more than working, that becomes a problem. You find yourself never dreaming, that becomes a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, constantly challenge yourself academically, uh, challenge yourself uh, mentally. Uh, I mean, I went back to school, got two master's degrees because I felt like I was getting not as sharp. And and I needed to sharpen up. Yeah. So like, hey, let's go back to school for a little bit, and uh, let's let's learn a few more things, and let's get better.
0: Um, I, I like that, we- that. I like how you worked in that little humble brag there. Like, I, oh, I, and I went back and just I got two masters. So the rest of you <laughs> even got one. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, it would have only been one if I didn't kind of stop halfway through and just,
1: get, <laughs> keep going. Uh, it would have only been one, but uh, it was, it, but that was a beneficial time for me more than anything. And, and I appreciated the knowledge in this, the classes, but more than anything, time management became upfront for me. Um, and if you can't manage your time and from a practical standpoint, you're not going to make it. And that's not, not church planning. That's just pastoring. Um, you're just, you're not going to make it. So Um, You know, I find what we do is not as different uh, from pastoring churches. Um, You're just starting one without people. And, (laughs) you know, eventually you find people and you reach them for the Lord and you share Christ with them. And now you have to disciple them. And, you know, um, so practically speaking, just be ready to put in the work for sure.
0: Well man, I appreciate the uh the time this morning. Um I in the show notes, I'll link it to the the your church's website if someone wanted to reach out to you or maybe someone's in Texas. But is there any other, I mean, is there anything else you want to point people to or anything else people should try to connect with you over, or anything like that before we we jump well, off here? Even more than welcome. You can call me, text me, send me an email, you can put all that in the show
1: notes. Just that's all good. Uh, if I can be of any benefit or help someone, I definitely want to do that and can, yeah. you know, the best of my ability, uh, or at least point you to someone who I think can help you. Yeah. Um, I don't know that a lot of people listen to podcasts about mistakes and say, that's the guy I should be following, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'll be happy to share more mistakes with more people.
0: That is life. awesome. Yeah. This, this show is really just kind of whittled down. <laughs> it's like, i don't want talking to these guys. They don't know what they're doing. Um, Okay. Um, Well, I hope this has been helpful to you and maybe given you some things to think through and to pray through uh, either by yourself or with your spouse or with your team. Um, If it has been helpful, if it has been encouraging, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Leave us a review or a rating on Spotify or Apple podcast. Uh, I would also ask that you just share it. Um, This is, as, as Heath just said, we want to be helpful. We want to support you. We want to be encouraging. And so if you know someone who is a church planter, uh, thinking about church planting, maybe he's been on the field and is just maybe you know banging their head against the wall. They're, they're, at, a, they're at a stagnant spot in their ministry. Um, man, pass this along to them and uh, maybe let it facilitate some conversation um, between among you. So uh, again, my name is Logan Wolf uh, in Provo, Utah. I'm joined today by my friend Heath Ferguson in Houston, Texas. This has been everything I did wrong as a church planter, a million part series.